Welcome to UDL Forward, the podcast where we break down barriers and transform classrooms with the power of universal design for learning. I'm Missy Emler. And I'm Mia Schmiel. If you are an educator, administrator, or anyone passionate about creating an inclusive, engaging, and accessible learning environment, this is the podcast for you. As your hosts and guides on the side, we're here to dive into the world of universal design for learning with a focus on clarifying language, identifying implementation barriers, and inspiring change. We're excited to help you revolutionize your classrooms and systems. Each episode of UDL Forward is packed with actionable insights, real life examples, and inspiring stories from teachers and students who have experienced the transformative power of UDL. You'll learn practical tips, best practices, and innovative strategies to ensure every student has the opportunity to succeed. We bring our unique perspectives and wealth of knowledge, sharing our passion for creating a world where education is truly designed for all. By tuning into UDL Forward, you'll be empowered to make meaningful change in your school or district, becoming a catalyst for a brighter future. Are you ready to move UDL forward? Subscribe now and join us on this exciting journey as we create learning environments and inspire, engage, and empower all students. The future of education starts here with UDL Forward. Hey, hey, Mia. We are finally getting our UDL Forward podcast started. How are you? I am so excited for this morning just to be able to finally do the thing we've been talking about for so long. This is awesome. Yes, we've been on a learning journey for sure with this podcast. And there's been so many things that have been barriers to us getting this work out in the world. But we have eliminated the barriers and we have just decided that it is time for UDL Forward, the podcast, to hit the world. And so that's what we're doing today. And what better way to kick off the first podcast episode of UDL Forward than by talking about expert learners? So Mia, tell me about what do you think is the most important piece of expert learner? Where would you start? Yeah, you know, I think this for me personally has been the greatest learning curve because most of the time when folks think about UDL, they go right to the guidelines and they're thinking about what do I need to implement first? And For me, as I've been on this learning journey, it has started with understanding what it means to be an expert learner. And that truly is the goal of UDL, that we really understand where we want students to be when they leave us. And and we can articulate that as educators and administrators. But when we see it as the expert learner description, and those are being the goals of UDL, we're like, yes, that's what I want versus really diving into the guidelines, I think, first and foremost, and understanding that expert learners is who we need our students to be and who, as as educators ourselves, we get to be expert learners on this journey. And that has been, for me, the, the most important part of the work that we've done so far in the three, four years that we've you know been and pushing UDL forward and really helping people understand the goal of, of this work is really helping kids like be as successful as they can be and articulating that through the expert learner lens and, and traits. Right. So it's funny that you say expert learners is, you know, the primary piece of information, 
when it comes to the guidelines. So often people dig into the guidelines and they don't recognize that the goal of UDL is actually on the bottom of the guidelines. We, right. If I could redesign the look and feel of that from a graphic design lens, I would like bold it, put some color behind it, make it dance off the page somehow. Right. But UDL, but CAST, the UDL organization, defines expert learners as learners who are purposeful and motivated resourceful and knowledgeable, strategic and goal-directed. And each one of those pieces, purposeful and motivated, actually aligns to the engagement category of the guideline. And when learners are resourceful and knowledgeable, we get to those that component by providing multiple means of representation. And we support learners in becoming strategic and goal-directed by uh, providing multiple means of action and expression. So the guidelines are still very much a part of developing the expert learner. But so often we start with looking at the guidelines as sort of boxes to be checked or things to be considered when we haven't actually considered the learner. Right. And, And when I think about working with educators the last couple of years, they can clearly articulate who they they want their students to be and they can talk about skills that are are lacking right now. When you start with that end goal of like, here's the the skills and the practices and how students think once they have been able to experience a UDL designed environment, they get it. And when we start with, like you said earlier, like checking the boxes and making sure we're trying these pieces for us to see really the outcome before we even get started is so important. So if you haven't looked at the expert learner characteristics yet on the the CAST website, you really do need to to kind of like start there because it is the end goal. And and I I feel like it helps us put together the why of all of the work and the the journey that you're a part of when you begin really thinking about universal design in your, your learning spaces. Yes. And when I was a principal, and would be evaluating teachers and working through observations and things like that. We always had these things called look fors. And so when we would be observing, we had a bunch of things that we were supposed to be looking for. And I think that the expert learner chart that CAST has created that we also have in several places on our udlforward.community In that environment, we have the expert learner chart a lot of places, but I essentially think of the chart as a bunch of things to look for in our learners. So for example, there's a few things like under the engagement category, we see are students eager for new learning and are they motivated by mastery and learning itself? Are they goal-directed in their learning? Do they know how to sustain effort and resilience that reaching goals will require? Do they know how to, and this is key, especially now, do they know how to monitor and regulate emotional reactions and potentially distractions to their learning? Do they know what to do when they face those things? And as a principal, I used to hear teachers often say, oh, that kid is just so disengaged. They, I just can't motivate them. They're just not engaged. And I think the expert learner characteristics help us identify specific, more granular pieces to consider in working towards engagement and motivation. Engagement and motivation is a big old thing. It is. But when you say, well, let's just 
break that down? Are they goal-directed in their learning? Do, do you ask them to set personally meaningful goals? Then you can start to think about what some of those instructional pieces are that you as a teacher can do that could bring them into the work a little bit more. And I think that's the beauty of the expert learner chart. I love that you kind of focused in on the engagement component of, of expert learners because we want to believe that kids just automatically know how to monitor their reactions, that they magically come to our classrooms and are able to reflect well and think about what they need to do next. And those skills are critical for students to be able to monitor behavior and to be intrinsically motivated to like put in the work to get better at whatever it is that they're, they're trying to, to learn. And one of the, like the key components that when I'm, I'm working with teachers in classrooms is how do we really help students reflect well? How do we provide for them the opportunity to stop and think about, did this process I used, did it actually work for me? Was I able to use some of the tools from a social emotional learning perspective? You know, emotionally, was I able to stop and reflect and, and put into practice the very strategies that I've been teaching somewhere else? And when we think about expert learners, we also really need to stop and think about that practice of reflection and being able to, to do that well. And in all honesty, we don't spend enough time helping our teachers learn that process so students can stop and reflect and think about what worked for me, what didn't, and, and where do I need to go next? So it, it comes back to that whole idea of, of reflection. And the reflection work completely impacts the planning work for the next learning experience. Absolutely. But so often we don't give learners an opportunity to plan like, you know, they are subject to our plans for them. But if we really hone in on the reflection process that it takes to become an ex expert learner, then they start to become better at approaching learning on subsequent lear in subsequent learning experiences. Right. There's it's super that reflection process is super beneficial, but it ties directly into the learning, the planning of learning process. So I think all of those pieces are really important. And the other thing that's important when we think about expert learners is that the context of what's happening around them in the environment absolutely impacts their ability to learn. And the context can change on a daily basis. For example, if a learner is involved in co-curricular activities and it's the night of dress rehearsal or the week nice. before the actual performance, their expert learning skills may dwindle because their focus is in a different place. But if they have the opportunity to plan and then possibly reflect on how the environments and what they're doing in the context of what's happening in their lives impacts their experience in learning, all of those things work together and need to be considered. Right. And, and helping students think through that process mm -hmm. themselves too. Right. And I come back to a school that I'm, I'm, I'm working with. I have the opportunity to kind of follow students through several class periods over the course of their day. And I find it so intriguing that in one classroom, the student is really collaborative and they're a problem solver in math 
you know, at their tables and then they move to their English classroom and they need their time to just be, right? That they are more of an independent, like thought person in, in that classroom. And the variability that I've been able to see across this group of students over the course of the day is incredible. They literally are not the same student hour to hour to hour. And also the, the content that they're, they're learning and kind of working through has been really interesting just to kind of like watch this group of folks, of this group of students go through their days and then to bring together the teachers to actually talk about, well, in, in this classroom, you know, these students, they really do need an opportunity to talk through math. But those same students in an ELA setting, their feedback is more like, I just want somebody to give me feedback um, on my Google Doc or whatever that might be. So the variability, even within the course of a school day, hour to hour to hour, is pretty amazing. And I just, I feel like students being able to stop and think about who they are in different contexts is pretty important too. So again, like coming back to that whole idea of, of reflection, if they're, they're not provided the opportunity and the skill to be able to do it, we're missing out on a critical piece of, of, of learning. Yeah. And it also comes back to this idea that we focus then on the process and not solely the outcome. Oh, that right. That we're helping students really stop and think, right. Like they need that opportunity to see small incremental growth versus when we have our summative assessments every two weeks and, you know, then we move on. So that idea of really shifting from it's the grade to it's your process of learning and how do you learn best? Like that's a key, key piece. Going back to reflection. That is. And it, that part always lends itself to my favorite question that I love to ask in professional learning opportunities that I do with folks. My favorite question to pose is simply comparing contrast, learning, and achievement. Because when we are focused on the achievement and the outcome, we are definitely not focused on the process of learning. And when we are asking people to compare and contrast learning and achievement, a lot of people get stuck <laughs> and they don't necessarily recognize right. what is the difference. And so just really quickly, I'll give you some of the differences that really stand out in the time that I do this. But learning is all ongoing. It's always happening. It's natural and it's social. Achievement is a point in time measurement. It's always measuring someone against somebody else's standard or expectation. So there's not that internal decision of, you know, achievement. If you reach an achievement, typically you get to stand on a podium or cross the stage or celebrate in some way because it's a moment in time that, that deserves celebrating without a doubt. But that achievement is meeting somebody else's standard. So I have an unpopular opinion about this. <laughs> and so are you ready for my unpopular opinion? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, it's only unpopular because those of us in schools don't like to like recognize this, but it's unpopular, but also true. So here it is. Are you ready? I'm almost nervous to say it. <laughs> Do it. Go for it. Achievement. Achievement, which is what 
schools typically focus on because we have all of these achievement measures that we are then schools are then sorted and categorized by. We may end up on a on a watch list or a or a you know a support list that is housed at our state level, our state organization or something, uh, based on how our students perform on achievement measures. And so it is natural for us to be concerned about the achievement. But this is where the unpopular opinion comes in. Achievement in and of itself is a sorting mechanism. It's a sorting mechanism and it sorts out those who can and from those who can't, those who will and those who won't. And achievement measures function at our school levels because our schools are sorted and categorized. You know, I have colleagues in my region who are constantly looking for how they rank in our region compared to other neighboring districts. Well, that's because we're focused on achievement measures and you know, that sorting mechanism. But when we take out achievement and focus on learning, we can focus on the process and we may not be void of achievement. Right. But as long as the focus is on achievement, there were, we will always be trying to close the gaps in which we create, which becomes like an unmanageable task. We cannot close the gaps that we create because we will always set out to create another gap. So again, sorry for the unpopular opinion, but I choose to focus on learning. <laughs> but it's, it's so important to think about the difference between those two terms, right? Learning versus achievement. And I think about the practices in, in schools I've worked with where they have focused so heavily on student-led um, conferences and they have exit presentations. And the focus of that work for students has been about their own personal growth. I've had the opportunity to work in several schools where their exit presentations reflect on, you know, their K-8 experience or their 412 experience. And they talk about what they've learned about themselves as a learner. Here's what I know I need. Here are the achievements I've had as a learner. And it doesn't connect to an ACT score It doesn't connect to their GPA. It's really about, I understand the need for feedback. I understand that when I feel like I have a a lot to manage, I need to go back to like my to-do list. Their reflections are about who they are as a learner. And I don't feel like silly saying this. I could not get through some of those exit presentations without like getting the, the Kleenex box, right? Because the profound, all the feels, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like the profound like explanations students had about themselves does not ever come up when we just see a report card with an A, B, C, D, F, or we see a GPA. And the, the process for students to deeply reflect on the very characteristics that we see in, in the expert learner's document, that is like no other way of, of students being able to share who they are. So this is my plug for student-led conferences and, you know, those, those exit presentations because it's incredibly powerful for kids to go through that process of thinking about, like, who they really are and then having the conversation with their guardians, their parents, the folks that have been, you know, leading their, their learning, you know, their, their educators and just so profound and amazing and I think that those are opportunities where you can see 
the humanity of learning. Right. I think that because, it, and you can see the impact of learning on every single person and it can be celebrated where when we are celebrating from an achievement perspective, there is a limited number of humans we can celebrate. Right. Because in and of itself, it's a, it's a sorting mechanism. So I think that's really sobering to think about. And again, the goal of universal design for learning is to create expert learners. And I don't believe that there's anybody in the field that doesn't want all learners to learn. And I believe that all learners can learn, but I think that we lose focus and a tool like universal design for learning as a systemic framework in our system can really help focus us on learning. And subsequently, we should be able to see the impact on achievement because they are not mutually exclusive. But I just don't believe that as a system, we've ever had an emphasis on learning, even though lots of times learning and teaching are synonymous and interchangeable. But but in reality, they're very different and they're very separate. And one of the things we promised to do on this podcast is to get very clear on our language. So today, the language is the language of expert learners, the language of comparing and contrasting learning and achievement and understanding that those two things are very, very different. And I think as, as we continue through this series, the verbiage that we use, the language that we use to talk about our students, to talk about learning design Person lesson planning, which I can't wait to talk about that, that topic. But yeah, that's in the next episode or two. <laughs> yeah. So like the shift in language is so key as we begin to really think about creating environments that all students can be successful in. So I'm, I'm glad you, you've kind of highlighted that because it is our language and how we communicate with our colleagues and with our stakeholders and our, our parents and our students. It's that language that will make the greatest shifts. Yeah. So Peter Block, who wrote a book called Community, The Structure of Belonging, along with several other books, he's sort of famous in the consulting world, but he always says all change is linguistic. And so I have come to completely believe that. And I've watched patterns of change that all rely on language. And so while there's lots of things that we can do to sort of build our skills and our muscles in regards to universal design for learning and building, you know, classrooms that really have lots of things going on that are supported and enhanced by the guidelines of UDL, I think that it's really important that we just get real, find a lot of clarity on our language. And that is what we in the UDL Forward podcast, as well as the UDL Forward community are focused on doing is really getting clear on our language. And we're kind of a little bullish on language. <laughs> and so sometimes we assess, you know, how deep people are going with UDL based on the language that they hear. And so we hope that this podcast becomes a support for that linguistic change that will subsequently produce that systems change. And again, our focus today was on expert learners and we hope that you join us inside of the udlforward.community space where we dig into expert learners quite extensively. So Mia, I don't think we need to like keep going because we'll talk about expert learners probably in every podcast. Right. 
Right. It's been a fun first one for sure. Yeah, I'm so glad that we uh, we have the first one under our belt and we're good to go. Yeah, awesome. So with that, we're signing off. So have a good day. Don't get in trouble. <laughs> See you soon. That's a wrap for this episode of UDL Forward. We hope you found our discussion insightful and inspiring. Making education accessible and engaging for all students is really important work. Before we go, we want to remind you to please subscribe to UDL Forward on your favorite podcast platform and tell a friend to listen to. And don't forget to join our always on, always available online community at udlforward.community. In the community, you can connect with like-minded educators and share your thoughts, experiences, and questions related to UDL. We'd love to see you there and continue this important conversation. Until next time, keep pushing those boundaries of education and moving UDL forward.